Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. So uh, let's, let's read. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Can you say each one for the profit of all? It's very important. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, we talked about last week, these are spiritual gifts. These are not human talents. These are not human abilities. They are spiritual gifts. They come from the Holy Spirit to us. Therefore, that makes them supernatural. These is not things you learn to do. These are things that you develop yourself to do by the leading and the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. So, just wanted to say that again. When we, when, if we're able to jump into the gifts of the Father and the gifts of the Son, that's when you actually begin to jump into practical gifts that come out of our abilities as opposed to spiritual gifts that come out of a supernatural power of the Holy Ghost in us. So today we're talking about prophecy, we're talking about tongues, and we're talking about the interpretation of tongues. I'm not going to dive real deep into the tongue aspect because three weeks ago, I dove into that. And I would encourage you, go to our podcast, YouTube, or Facebook. And if you want more details on a teaching or a speaking about uh, the gift of speaking in tongues and how that works, that is a great message for you. Got a lot of positive feedback from that message. And that was three weeks ago, and we have it online for you. Today, A lot of this is going to be centered around prophecy, and the second runner-up is the interpretation aspect with the touch on the tongues. So these are some of the most controversial aspects to church. There is different takes, different beliefs. You have people that say it should happen all the time. You have people saying that it is of the devil, and it doesn't operate anymore, and you get any and everything in between. If you're wondering about us, if uh, if you're new to Westside... We believe in the totality of the nine gifts of the Spirit, so therefore we do believe in prophecy, we believe in the gift of tongues, and we believe in the interpretation of tongues. However, we also believe that there should be order to the function of these, and it is not just a free-for-all done in a way that brings confusion to anybody that is in the church or anybody that will be coming to our church, and we'll touch on that a bit. The first one we're going to look at uh, is prophecy, but I want you. To, I'm going to read another area of scripture, and what I want you to see that there is actually a uh, a, a a how do I say it? Uh, when it comes to these three gifts, a, a order of importance. Sometimes when you look at the gifts, you don't really consider an order of importance. But when you are dealing with these three gifts, you see an order of importance. And one of the reasons, because of this order of importance, is because if it's not done correctly, you do have a little bit of haywire function going on in the church, and the church can actually get out of order uh, as opposed to functioning in a healthy way when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. 
So let me read this to you. It's in 1 Corinthians 14. I would encourage you to go read this chapter in its totality for you to get a true understanding of, uh, of, of the operations of the gifts of the Spirit. I will say when it comes to this chapter, it has a section when it tells women to be quiet. All right. Now we've already covered that several weeks ago. That is of the culture then, and it actually says it in the area that this is of the law, meaning this is of the Old Testament covenant. So when you read the, that part in 1 Corinthians 14, that is not applicable to us today because we are of a different culture, number one. And number two, we don't live in Old Testament law. We live in New Covenant grace or New Testament grace. Amen. So it says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. You see three things here that you have to have and we have to re realize there's a difference. Love, spiritual gifts, and prophecy. But especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself <clears throat> excuse me but he who prophesies edifies the church i wish you all spoke with tongues the fact that paul said i wish you all spoke with tongues tells us that everybody is capable of speaking in tongues there is a a thought out there that some people can do it and some people can't do it we'll touch on that hopefully in a minute find where I was at. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets, or interprets that the church may receive edification. So right there, you see a level of importance. It says, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater we see a level of importance is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Unless, there's an exclamation here, or not exclamation, that, 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 that there is a side point here. Unless, indeed, he interprets that the church may be edified. So we see, when it comes to this section of gifts, three, three, these three gifts, prophecy is the utmost important. And then the other two follow in. So let's talk about prophecy. There's a little bit of, of, of debate in the church world on what this really means. Sometimes there's a little bit of confusion amongst believers. What we have to realize is that prophecy is a two-fold function. Just like the gifts of the Spirit, I mean, sorry, just like speaking in tongues, it is a two-fold function. As we've talked, the two-fold function of speaking in tongues, number one, is to edify ourselves. Number two, for there to be an interpretation and God speaks to his people. In prophecy, there is a two-fold function. There is the function of edification, which is also linked to teaching which is also linked to, to exhorting, to encouraging one another. 
And when you read what I just read in chapter 14, what you're actually reading, you're reading about the practical aspect of prophecy. You're not reading about the spiritual gift of prophecy. We know that because at the very beginning of 1 Corinthians 14, it's, it, 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 it breaks these things down in three different ways. It says love, spiritual gifts, and prophesying. So inside spiritual gifts is prophecy, but he lists right here that there is also prophecy. So there's two we have two functions, two operations of prophecy. The operation of edification. And this is the one where he says, I wish everybody would do this. So he is saying that he would wish that every single person in our church would prophesy to one another. Now that is practical, inspired, studied out, known knowledge Speaking according to the Word of God, the Bible, to one another. That is when you are going through something and someone comes to you and they exhort or they edify you with the Word of God. That is someone prophesying to you. That is what I'm doing right now. That is me coming before you and it's me speaking the truth to you, teaching you with the truth, edifying, exhorting you with the truth. That is the very practical side of prophesying to one another. The reason it's that way because when you jump over into the Old Testament, prophets prophesied a word from God. Well, in the New Testament, what is the word from God? Somebody shout it out. The Bible, right? So in the Old Testament, the prophets prophesied the word of God. In the New Testament, the word of God is the Bible. And so it makes it makes common sense for us to realize that when we declare the Bible to one another, we declare the Word of God to one another, edifying, exhorting, uplifting, encouraging, rebuking, blah, 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 then technically we are declaring God's Word to one another, so that makes us be prophesying to one another. Does that make sense? But there is the gift of prophecy that is listed in the gifts of the Spirit, Remember, this is the gifts of the Spirit. This has to do with spiritual power, not human power. When we prophesy to one another in an edifying way, it is human power. But when we operate in the gift of prophecy within the gift of the Spirit, it is a spiritual power. And it is not conjured up by mind. It is not conjured up by knowledge. It is not conjured up by just some feeling or you wanting to encourage somebody. It is a direct word from God to whomever you're speaking to. And it can consist of past, present, or future information. Most of the time it has to do with future information. So the gift of prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit in which we are talking about now has to do with us receiving a message from God. It's not based off studying. It's not based off us sitting down, writing out notes. It's not based off the devotion that we just read earlier that week. No, it is us experiencing 
God speaking to us directly. It might come in the, in, in the form of a thought. It might come in the form of a vision slash dream. It might come in, in, in the form of God verbally speaking. But it's God speaking to us for us to relay a message. What I typically do on a Sunday morning is I preach, teach, express, or declare the word. I tip, on a regular basis, I do not function in the gift of prophecy. But there is days, there are Sundays, and you've heard me say it to you, I'm coming to you this morning with a word from God. And it goes a little bit deeper. It's a little, not a little, it's a lot more powerful. And it's God speaking directly to us concerning where we are at currently or where we will be at or need to be at in the future. Am I making sense? So a few weeks ago, you remember, I shared with you how God spoke with me concerning women in the last days, and that was 2015. And I spoke that and I declared that that was, that was the gift of prophecy in operation. Back in 2015, it was a futuristic word. And since I declared that, what I've witnessed in society with women experiencing an uprising of authority, power, and favor has been that prophecy coming to pass. When I spoke it a few weeks ago, it was current, but yet at the same time futuristic. So, oftentimes, a word of prophecy can be about what will happen, what can happen. Let me give you this. Here's another thing to think about. You can give, you can prophesy, when I, right now when I'm using the term prophesying, I'm speaking from the gift of prophecy. You can prophesy to somebody of what, that, that this can happen in their life or this is what God has planned for their life or this is how they can be blessed in their life. But that word can have a contingency connected to it. And that contingency is based on how that person lives or what that person believes. Does that make sense? In the Old Testament, there was prophecies about Israel being blessed. But when Israel did not live according to God's ways, were they blessed? No. In fact, the total opposite. They were accursed. They went into bondage. Does that make the person who declared what was going to happen to them a false prophet? No. Because... They prophesied a word that was based off of what could happen. It had a contingency connected to it. And the contingency was how Israel lived. But then there is prophecies that says this will happen. It has nothing to do with the contingency. Prophecies about a coming Messiah had nothing to do with the contingency. 
There's prophecies about rumors of wars, prophecies about things uh, that is actually happening right now in the world. Those are not contingency-based. They, they were a word from God that this is going to happen no matter what. The prophecy that Jesus is going to come back is not contingency-based. It is a word that it is going to happen. And it doesn't matter if you're living like hell or if you're living divine. It is going to happen. And wait, it doesn't matter if you're going to be going to hell or you're going to be going to heaven. It is a word of prophecy that is going to take place when God deems it necessary to send his son Jesus to come back for the redemption. Amen? So we see, you can prophesy to somebody and that may not come to pass if they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But then you can prophesy to something or somebody and it doesn't matter what they say or do, it's going to come to pass because God has already put it in order. Some things are spoken based off of what God puts in order. Other things can be prophesied based off what man or woman puts in order. Does that make sense? Supposed to be teaching, I'm preaching a little bit. So how can this be applied in the world? It's very limited. What you will find when it comes to the inspirational gifts, that they are more for for the body of Christ as opposed to the world. There is a little bit of usage in a world setting, a non-believer setting, and that is basically prophecies can be used as testimonies. Like if you really know your prophecies, like what, what was spoken a couple thousand years ago and what has already happened, and your discussion with somebody uh, that is a non-believer, then you can use uh, the... the you know, the accuracy of those, prophets, of those prophecies as a testimony to someone that might be a non-believer. So they can be used, but it's, ooh, you better not be, and you better be walking on some thin ice if you, you, you jump up and you prophesy to a non-believer. Uh, you better know it's from God, because uh, ty- typically that's not the way, the, the way it goes. I can backfire real fast on you. Uh, you, so as a testimony or in discussion. So let's jump to number two, uh, different, different kind of tongues. Going to kind of keep this short and sweet. <clears throat> it, like, like I said three weeks ago or so, it's, it's a divine utterance. Uh, it is spoken by human will, uh, but it is not spoken by human intellect. Uh, it is a divine utterance. <clears throat> it is not uh, made up by humans other than what comes out of our mouth. Uh, it is done by our own will. This is something someone had said to me that they appreciate the, the, uh, you know, the, the thought on this or the teaching on this, that when you speak in tongues, you are not being possessed by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost does not possess anybody. He infills us. He does not possess us. So when we speak in tongues, it is not an act of being possessed, and all of a sudden, uh, God takes control of our tongue and makes us uh, make these weird noises. It doesn't work that way. Uh, it is done through faith by the leading of the Holy Spirit. So there's three types of speaking in tongues. I don't think I brought this out a few weeks ago. There is the tongues that has a message uh, connected to it, uh, and that's what we call interpretation. Uh, there is the tongues for self-edification in prayer. Again, that is when you and I 
if, if we have, if we've started operating that, that is when we just, it's, it's between us and God. It, 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 it's, we're praying unto God. The Bible teaches us it's for self-edification. The Bible teaches us we speak mysteries unto God. What we do know when we pray that way, that we are praying in a way that the enemy, Satan, does not understand. We are praying in a language that he does not know. And we are declaring truths and revelation uh, in a mysterious uh, a form. And then, uh, which we see in Acts 2, and I've actually shared with you, my, my family has experienced, uh, where tongues are spoken, but another language is actually heard and understood, like an, uh, an actual earthly uh, language. How can this be applied in the world? It cannot. Do not go to your job speaking in tongues. Now, if you want to do that with yourself, you know, just under your breath a little bit, maybe you have an office that no one sees or hears, you know, more power to you. That's all good. If you're struggling a little bit and you just need to pray and you can go to the bathroom and, and, and sit on the toilet instead of look at your phone, just start speaking in tongues, you know. You know, instead of a bowel movement, you have a spiritual movement right in the bathroom. You never heard that before, did you? I haven't either. I just made that up off the cuff. <laughs> Quite disgusting, so let's move on. <laughs> Going to the bathroom would never be the same for you tongue talkers. Uh, uh, so anyway, yeah, don't, don't do that, man. You're, you're going to be considered a weirdo, a freak. You know, your, your testimony is going to be obscured a little bit. That, that is not what it's for. It's not, that is not what it's for is to, uh, you know, go, go, go into the world and start doing that. Doing that. Uh, it would not be taken right. And you, you are actually, what I'm telling you is confirmed in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So you can, you can go, go read that. Uh, now the, the third one, interpretation of tongues. So this is an interpretation uh, of a message in tongues. <clears throat> so it, was exempl- it has been exemplified this morning. Someone uh, really quickly started out in tongues, and then there was a declaration or an interpretation of that tongues. The Bible teaches that. The Bible expresses that, that that is going to happen. Uh, There's a couple ways for it to happen. So someone can speak in tongues, and it can be interpreted by the same person, or it can be interpreted uh, by somebody else. Let me give you a, a some scripture to back that up. Again, 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. So you can be speaking in tongues and you can pray uh, or previously have prayed. Uh, so you're set up for it, uh, for an interpretation of it. Verse 27 says, If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two uh, or at the most three each in turn and let one interpret. So basically, that teaches us that, that there can be uh, multiple messages in tongues with, with, with somebody else interpreting. Uh, I have been in some services, and you kind of see it getting out of control to where, like, I don't know, everybody and their mama felt like they had a message in tongues. And, uh, and so, it, it, I don't know. This isn't like written in stone, like this isn't a command because, you know, it says let there be two or at the most three. You can see how it can be a little bit, how it could get a little bit of chaotic, a little bit confusing 
how it can kind of get out of order. If you had a whole bunch of people standing up doing it and then someone interpreting here and someone interpreting there. So this is where the Bible really speaks that it has to be done in decency and it has to be done in order. There's a way to do it. There's a way uh, not to do it. Uh, again, how can this be applied in the world? I don't see that it can directly. Uh, it is for church edification. It is for small group experience or it is for yourself. So church edification, when we're in a big setting like this, it's for edification. It can happen in a small group, uh, as long as that small group is open to this, uh, and there's liberty to exercise it from the small group leader. Uh, it can happen by yourself. I haven't had it happen a lot, but maybe one or two times uh, in, in a, a lot of years of walking with God, I've actually, in my prayer time, felt felt more than just a personal tongues of edification come upon me and I begin to speak in tongues and then the Holy Spirit interpreted it for me to me. So I've experienced it in a very personal way. So the interpretation of tongues can be in church, in a small group, it can be done by, your, by yourself. Now in closing today, I, I, I know this is kind of short and sweet, all right? Don't, don't, don't uh, you're welcome, you're welcome. How about that? Mm -hmm. I could have brought in the, the, the power gifts as well, but I thought, you know what, instead of killing you with like six different gifts, why not I bless you with only three gifts, all right? So an ending, I, I, I'll give you a little bit of extra. I, I want to I talk about, the, again, the order of tongues in a service. So 1 Corinthians 14, verse 28 says this, but if there is no interpreter... Let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. So if you are part of a, a group of people, a church group of people, and you don't know if they function that way, if you don't know if they flow that way, if you don't know if there is an interpreter uh, that is a part of that church, uh, then do what it says here. Keep it to yourself. Speak to yourself and speak to God. You don't want to do anything. Uh, to kind of blast your testimony or, or, again, to be a point of confusion. Something to understand uh, that when this does occur because of the order, and it actually, again, I'm going to 1 Corinthians 14 a lot. When you dive into 1 Corinthians 14, at the very end of that chapter, it actually says that everything must be done in order. So because everything must be done in order, uh, and the Holy Spirit don't talk over himself. So for, for instance, I'm up here teaching. For someone to stand up and all of a sudden start speaking in tongues is out of order. Number one, the Holy Spirit is leading me to speak. He's not, he wouldn't be leading you to speak. And if anyone did that while I'm preaching, I will shut you up immediately. I, I just won't, I won't be rude or mean, but I, I would tell you, hey, this isn't the time for that. You're missing the mark. Could you please sit down or could you please be quiet? So because we don't allow certain things to create an out-of-order uh, reception uh, in, in, in our church. So the Holy Spirit never overrides uh, himself. That is not only when the main speaker is speaking, when another leader is speaking, uh, when a worship leader is, is, is leading, when God is moving in a certain way, uh, there is not to be an interruption of how God is already leading. 
Now, with that being said, what typically happens is when someone operates in this gift, you begin to feel it coming on before you do it. I, I can't articulate it to you. I just know the thought and the feeling I get when it happens. And you feel it coming on. It's not like you get it and all of a sudden, boom, you're up like a rocket doing it. No, there usually is a precursor. There's a thought of it. There's a feeling. There's a sensing of the Holy Spirit is moving in your spirit this way. And so what begins to happen is you, you realize the Holy Spirit is getting you ready for that. And then you just begin to patiently wait. And it really takes a part, a unknowing partnership of operating in the Spirit. Because usually what happens, there is a break in the service. It can happen in between songs. It can happen when it has happened for me before. Uh, when I was preaching or ministering and all of a sudden, I just felt the Holy Spirit just, just stop. And I was like, hmm, I don't, it's as if the Holy, it's just as if in my speaking, I hit a wall. The Holy Spirit stopped me. And then someone gave a message in tongues and maybe I interpreted or maybe somebody else did. Usually there is, there is a break. Well, not usually, there is a break. There is a moment of opportunity that the Holy Spirit's Holy Spirit creates for the person who is operating in that gift to rise or to speak loudly through that gift and then there is the interpretation. Am I making sense this morning? It's very important for us to realize this and if you are a person who operates this way or who desires to operate this way it's very important that you realize how this typically works. There's a little bit more detail that I'm not going to get in right now. But that's how it works. It's very interesting. There is a, in verse 32 of the same chapter, it says, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So that's why I say, you feel it coming on before it happens, but yet that spirit is subject to you. And you are expected to operate in maturity and patience and sensitivity of when you are to do it. Now, I will say this. There's times I have felt it, but I was never given an opportunity to express it. And that could be because whoever was leading a service just did not follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and just... Have you ever been in a service where the Spirit of God was just moving, 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 and someone just jumped up and just all of a sudden took a 90-degree turn? Just like, phew, let's go this way. Hey, we're going to take off from today. And you're like, dude, God was moving, and you're going to take up some money? So for things like that can happen, and that can prevent you from operating in that.
these gifts are very important to us. For us, rather. They're important because they're supernatural. The Bible teaches us the supernatural works of God is assigned to the unbeliever. But they're empowering, encouraging, edifying to the believer. It's important that we as followers of Jesus Christ be open to receiving this. But we also are open to be using by God in this as well. Amen? We don't want a church that's just cool and offers good practical teachings and preaching, but we also want a church that operates and functions in the power of the Holy Ghost. And we take to heart Acts 1-8 that says, When the Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. Dunamis. You know what that dunamis, dunamis is the term for that word power there, and it's the word that you get dynamite from. The Bible says that the anointing destroys the yoke. What does dynamite do? It destroys things. So when the Spirit comes upon us, we shall receive power. And it's the power to be a witness. And when something is a power to be a witness, it's a power to open up eyes that might be closed, heart that might be hard, a mind that might be confused or not open. It's a power to be a witness. It's a power to be a change. Our communities need the power of God. In your lives and in our church. And in order for that to happen, we have to be willing and we have to be receptive to the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? The power of the Holy Ghost. It, it changes everything, you guys. It changes everything. I want to encourage you today to consider leveling up your faith. Leveling up your walk with God. Leveling up your willingness to allow God to use you. The Bible teaches us to desire the gifts. If you don't desire them, it ain't going to happen because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. That's why uh, he, he, he is symbolized with the dove in the Bible. He ain't, he ain't ain't going to drop on you and possess you and be like, hey, you're going to speak no matter what. Don't work that way. You got to believe in it. You got to desire it. You got to be willing to walk through the process of growing in maturity to be used by God in it. Amen. God wants God wants to present his power to the world, but it's not going to happen unless we say, yes, Lord, send me. Yes, Lord, send me. Amen. Bow your head. Let me pray over you today.
Father, thank you for your word. I hope it was enlightening for some, challenging for others. Maybe a push uh, into a deeper area of one's relationship with you for some. Father, I have expressed this, and I will continue to, to express this. Your spirit is welcomed into this gathering, into this church body. Not just the sensation or the feeling that one might receive when your spirit is moving, but the power of your spirit and the maturity that is needed to operate in that is welcomed in this place as, as well. Father, I ask that you begin to work in our hearts and in our minds, lead us and guide us. Begin to remind us, prick our hearts, get us ready to be able to begin to walk by the Spirit and therefore be used by the Spirit so that there can be a power that becomes a witness witness of who you are and your love and everything that you have promised your children and the world. I declare blessings over my church family. I ask that you protect them, give them favor, remind them with wisdom so that they, so that they can have a great week. In the name of Jesus Christ, we said amen. Stand to your feet if you would. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.